Pumped by Reebok. This is Under the Surface with Annalie Maley. I would like to have the conversations about like performance, managing stress, anxiety, self-doubt, the whole bubble of identity and like who we are. It's Annalie Maley's Under the Surface. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Under the Service, pumped by Reebok with Annalie Maley. Today I have Alice Kunick with us. Thank you for joining us, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. What have you been up to today? What does this day look like for you? It's been actually a very busy but also non-busy day. I had a workout this morning, then did a facial, which ended up being like three hours. And it was the best three hours of my entire life. I love this. So good. Yeah. When they do the whole hot towel thing. It was amazing. I ended up actually getting like all these photos taken of like my skin and they told me my like elasticity and my hydration. And they did like a whole skin profiling check. New 28 on High Street. I'm I'm gonna plug the place because it was so good. And the girl was beautiful. Yeah, I saw it on your Instagram and you've Mm. already influenced me. Skin Honestly, skin fluence. Hashtag skin fluence. Yeah. Um, so at the and then moment, I got some piercings actually. Oh yeah, she <laughs> got, got a new piercing. piercing. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a ten-year-old. More grunge, you know. Yeah, just a little bit grunge for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in between doing things at the moment, right? Right now, you're playing NBL one. A few more games. You only got one more game left in the season. Is that right? Yeah, one more game against Marina. Oh Darling yes, you play against Springwood. Yes, I did know that. Wifey. Yeah, that'll be good. And then, so we just mm-hmm. came off the back of the Rose Gold at the mm-hmm. Asia Cup. Then you're doing the, a little bit with NBL one. And then we were just talking about you get to go to Greece. That's so exciting. Yeah. Where in Greece are you going to go? I'm going to Athens. So I've got a wedding in a place called Leros, which is a small village. And I'm going to Zakynthos and just a few other islands as well. But partly holiday, we'll be doing some training over there. But yeah, it'll be nice to get over there. That's so nice. So for people who don't know who Alice is, give us a quick a quick blurb on your basketball career. <laughs> it's, it can't be quick because you've been absolutely everywhere. But if you can condense, who is Alice Koenig, AK? who are you in a basketball sense mm-hmm. first? Wow. <laughs> I'm like a traveling gypsy. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, when I said it, I was like, quick blurb, there's no way. I'm actually a traveling gypsy. My grandma would be like, oh, my God. Um, So, obviously, started playing with the Eltham Wildcats, Mm -hmm. like yourself, as a junior career, and then went to the played state teams for Victoria Metro, went to Caulfield Grammar, uh, played basketball, obviously, there. From there, got a scholarship to the Institute of Sport. Had two years there, went to world championships, went did pro straight away because back in our, I guess you could say, our day, Mm -hmm. it wasn't really – the right thing to go, you know, college straight away. You kind of wanted to be seen by the Australian team. Yeah. So I started playing for the Bulleen Boomers under Tom Maher and Michelle Timms, was lucky enough to win a championship my first year there. Stayed in the WNBL for a couple of years. Oh, actually a lot of years. Yeah. <laughs> um, did some short-term deal stints in France, played in Perth, um, and then from there went to Europe. So I've been in Europe the four, last four out of five years and played in – Obviously, France, Poland, and Hungary just recently. That's actually, you did pretty well there to condense that. <laughs> I, I was did, like, didn't you I? did miss yeah. out some 3x3 three three stuff, oh, yeah. Commonwealth Games, yeah. like things like there's oh, a lot in there, ovals. But yeah, <laughs> yeah Alice has been and been everywhere and done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I want to strip it back to, you know, you as a kid. Mm-hmm. Who who were you as a young and how would people describe you? Let's, let's start. You as a five year old. What type of kid were you? Oh my gosh. 
I was very sure of myself. My mother would say I went to a Montessori school. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone knows about Montessori schools, but it's like my mum put me there because I was just probably too, not hard work and that's not the right word, but like I just knew what I wanted as a kid. You know, I knew what what I was sure about as a kid. Um, So my mum put me into a Montessori school, which I absolutely hated. (laughs) I can tell you I absolutely hated it. I was like, why can't I be like all the normal kids? Yeah. Anyway, but played basketball. So I did like mozzie squad at at Blackburn Vikings. Mozzie squad. Yeah, I did mozzie squad. Yeah. And I I have two older brothers, so I really looked up to them. They played basketball. My dad also played basketball as well, just locally. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of where I got into basketball as a kid. And when we renovated our house, we put in like a uh, basketball court out the back. So we would just play basketball every night. I just remember getting absolutely killed by my brothers. And they were just – they, there was no mercy. Yeah. It was like you're our younger sister and yep. I probably got more than they got in life, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, probably the little princess, daddy's girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, only girl. Yeah. Only girl, youngest, you know. But yeah. I did come from a, I do come from a European background. So my dad's side's Croatian, my mum's side's Irish. So mm-hmm. I will say I was very, raised very European. Mm-hmm. Um, Cunic, some people think it's Polish. No, definitely Croatian. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, raised very European. So, you know, we came from a very hardworking family. Uh, it was all about family, being together, um, and I guess, yeah, that's really instilled my life as, you know, hard work and yeah. just kind of working hard for the things you get and just being really respectful and really humble in life. We've had the conversation before where you spoke about family and mm-hmm. you kind of spoke about that, like, being instilled in you from, like, your parents being mm-hmm. first-generation Australians, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. So how how did that, like, as a younger kid – and seeing how hard your parents worked and, mm. like, did you ever feel different in that way because you, they were first generation in that way or, like, what was that experience like for you? So I was raised by my grandparents pretty much. Obviously my parents were around a lot but they worked a lot and my grandparents lived next door to us. So mm. I feel like I was ra- raised very European, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. And, you know, my grandparents came from Croatia and Slovenia with absolutely nothing, with the shirt off their back. So really it was just all about, you know, working hard, saving money, doing things for your family. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I absolutely loved the way I was raised. But back then it wasn't really cool. Yeah. You know, like we got spoken Croatian and Slovenian too, but it wasn't really cool that my dad spoke Croatian or that I was a Croatian, you know, from Croatian grandparents because yeah. you almost seemed like a little bit poor. And yeah. it was like you wanted to be the cool Australian kid that did all the normal stuff. Like we didn't do the normal stuff when yeah. we were kids, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it was very normal. But we were just raised in a different way. You know, we were ate different to other people. We didn't just have salads and and snags on the barbecue. Yeah. You know, it <laughs> yeah. just wasn't like that. It was like a 10-course meal. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, looking back now, I'm so proud of my culture and I'm so proud to be Croatian but also so proud for it to be Australian because Australia has given my family a home and, you know, I know when I spoke about wanting to play for the Opals in front of the group just recently, I really wanted to hone in on how much Australia has given my family an opportunity and a home. And, you know, my grandparents fled the war. They came with nothing. My grandpa went to jail to try and flee to give us a better life. And Wow. Yeah, oh and Australia has really given us that better life. And, you know, I think about it, I kind of get emotional about yeah. it because it's like, if they didn't flee the war and if they didn't make it to Australia and get given a life and a home here and, and people gave them a chance, you yeah. know. And I think that's what's really important in life is giving people chances because someone gave my family a chance and yeah. my grandparents a chance and, you know, now I'm able to play for my country and 
that's just so special for me. It actually gave me goosebumps. Like people don't really know that about you yeah. like, and that part of your family. It also like it makes sense as to why you are the way that you are, why you treat people the way that you treat people because mm-hmm. that was, you know, the opportunities given to your family has also made you who you are. Like that's actually yeah. pretty cool and like – yeah, we did spend some time at the Opals recently at this Asia Cup talking about our why we wanted to play mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. why, what it meant to us and all that stuff. Like being able to play for your country but also represent longer than just the Australian lineage, lineage like mm-hmm. it going back further. Like you can play for your country and represent more than that. Yeah. Like you're representing your grandparents. Like yeah. that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um. Oh, God, I, I can't wait for people to listen to that part. That's really yeah. dope. That's really cool. So do you remember as a kid then like when you first decided or playing sports, right, because you talk about being like a hardworking kid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were you? did you see basketball and you were like, yeah, this is what I want to do? Or were you at school like, yeah, I'm going to be, a, you know, the president, like <laughs> prime minister, sorry. Uh, like what, what was that kind of process like for you deciding what you wanted to do mm-hmm. with – with that side of your life. Yeah, I mean, if you spoke to my mum and dad, they probably thought I was going to be the president at five years old when I was at the Montessori school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no president look, in Australia, but I would be the first female president of president, Australia. Yeah. Prime minister. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I think, you know, I'd always been a really sporty kid because that's the way we grew up. Yeah. And it probably wasn't until, you know, I'd always kind of did school, but I was like, I'm going to play basketball for Australia and I'm going to go play in the WNBA. And I loved all the, the look of it all, you know. I, yeah. I kind of, I really looked up to, you know, Penny Taylor, LJ, you know, Sandy, um, Christy Harrow when I was growing up. And I guess for me, I thought that school didn't really matter. Yeah. And it probably wasn't until I got injured at the AAS that I really thought, oh, my gosh, this could get taken away from you at any time possible. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I always wanted to be an athlete. And I think, you know, my grandpa played soccer for Croatia. So sport was always in our family. We always did sport. um, And it really really taught us some really great lessons as kids growing up. And I'm so grateful that we were able to do that. But it probably wasn't until, yeah, that time at the AS where I thought, oh, my gosh, Alice, this could go at any time. And this may not work out. You may not go make a career of this. This may, you know, because you go from being a big fish in a small small pond playing for Victoria and nationals and stuff and then you go to the AS and you're like, I'm a small fish in a big pond, you know, like Mm -hmm. everyone's just as good as you are. And I think it probably was that realisation and then I did go to Lake Ginandera, which is a bit of a difference to Caulfield Grammar. (laughs) Yeah, just slightly. Just slightly, but you know, something that my grandparents always taught us was that you have to be adaptable in life and you have mm-hmm. to be able to change and make changes in life and, and kind of go with things that are presented to you. And I think I really just said to myself, you've got to really knuckle down with school. And I'm super grateful that I did. And I was able to get a, you know, a pretty decent score and then get into a degree that I really enjoyed. So that moment where you got injured, like obviously it wasn't like a, mm. a split second where mm-hmm. like you hurt yourself and then mm-hmm. you're like, I need to study. Like, yeah, no. What was that process like for you as you were like realising, oh, this could get taken away from me? Because a lot of the time as athletes we we hit those periods multiple times in mm-hmm, our career mm-hmm. where not only is it the fear of this could get taken away, it does. Yeah. So what was that like for you as a, I'm guessing you were like 16, 17-year-old mm-hmm. kid realising for the first time, holy crap, this can be taken away from me. Yeah, so I think, you know, I'd had injuries as a kid. You know, you roll your ankle or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you hurt your quad. Nothing crazy growing up or whatever. And then I actually had a jaw surgery. So I'd gone to the AS uh, in the December and Mm -hmm. then I had to get a jaw 
surgery on my face, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously. Um, and so I had a month off. And mm-hmm. then I came back to the Institute from there and I had metal plates in my mouth that just kept getting infected. So I just like couldn't get like into the swing. Of yeah, I just couldn't get momentum. And then I ended up getting a stress fracture in my foot that put me out for like in a booth, I think two or three months it was. So yeah. it was kind of just that period of just like a few things happening one after another that I'd never really dealt with in life. And I kind mm. of, I think also I needed an outlet. And yeah. I know that's been a huge thing. And I know with you as yeah. well, is just having that outlet that basketball just can't be my main focus. I need other stuff. And I think that's probably when I realized, okay, you've got to knuckle down with school. You know, you've got to have something to take it away. And probably because I wasn't training. Yeah. I really, you know, I was still going to the trainings and stuff, but I didn't, I needed to take that like emotional energy from somewhere. And so I think that's really when I got into it. I like, we have spoken about this so much Mm -hmm. about like having an outlet outside of sport, right? So for, for me, it looks different than for you than to someone else, but to have something completely separate from the sport that we're playing, talk to me about how finding out that you needed more outside of sport kind of made you a better athlete, but also made you a better person, like holistically Mm -hmm. being able to, you know, study and just make yourself more of a well-rounded human how did that affect your ability to kind of like go about your day day to day like how did that enrich your life I guess well at the end of the day you know you are an elite you're not a basketball player you're an elite yeah and that's that's the reality that I think that we need to teach kids at this young age is yes I'm Alice and I play basketball but I'm a lot of other things as well you know I'm a sister I'm a daughter I'm a friend I'm a partner to someone. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, we're all these other things. And I think that sometimes that gets a little bit lost on us. Yeah. And I think the sport, love being an athlete, but I think probably I realized that I may not make a million dollars a year. Yeah. And that's just not going to be a sustainable lifestyle. As a female athlete. As a female athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's like, it's tough out there. So I think for me, it's just, okay, how else am I going to sustain an income? How can I really add to myself as a person and grow and learn? Yeah. And that's absolutely changed my career because there's been times where I haven't studied or worked. And, you know, I've, I'm like you as well. Like I've always worked and done something. Yeah. Like I remember I, you know, and the money wasn't like it was. I think probably my first contract with Bull and Boomers was like $5,000. That's know? actually wild because people it's don't realise that. We came from nothing. It's know, like you then. come out of the AIS yeah. and you're, you're going to sign your first professional contract. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking you're having to work at the same time your first professional year and you're getting paid 5K for yeah. a season. Yeah. Like, that's actually like it's insane mm-hmm. and that but that's not talked about no people don't realize that like imagine if we said that to an NBL player oh my god they'd laugh in your face they'd and laugh be like at I'm you. not working I'm <laughs> not doing anything I have to lift a finger oh god that's tough <laughs> yeah I know it's it's actually wild so like I hate to interrupt you there but no, like fine. that actually that fires up I guess my next question going into that first year where you had to go into pro quote mm-hmm. unquote how did you sustain your life? Like how did, cause that's not livable income. It's not. How did you figure out how to exist in a world where you're all the demands of a um, high performance athlete mm. with none of the allowances? Yeah. Well, look, I'm really lucky. I was still with my parents, mm-hmm. obviously, and I was playing in Melbourne, but I also worked. Mm-hmm. I worked as a receptionist at a physio and mm-hmm. I also studied full time. So it was a lot mm-hmm. and it was a lot for three or four years. I always worked. I worked at a physio or a chiropractor doing some of their finances mm-hmm. and I always studied. I did my first degree, a commerce degree, and I played basketball pro, but I just knew that that wasn't enough money to sustain me 
and to save money. You know, my family's also very big on property. So yeah. it was like, you need to buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I couldn't buy a house with just the basketball yeah. money that I was getting. So I had to have that ad- extra added income and I couldn't be grateful for that, honestly, yeah. more grateful. So it's really like it's instilled such a work ethic in me to not just be a basketball, to also work, to also study as well, mm-hmm. but just give back to the community. Yeah. You know, I think that's such a big thing is basketball can feel like, and I don't know if you feel the same, but sometimes in your career it's always like, can you please help me with an indie? Can you please help me with a workout? Can you yeah. please help me with my nutrition? Sometimes yeah. I feel like as a basketball I'm just always taking and I'm yeah, like, asking, no, asking, yeah. you know, and people are so willing to give it. Yeah. But it's also like, okay, I also want to give back. And yeah. I think that's what's really important as basketballers. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. And I also had that, I think, the first three years, of the my first year at Southside, mm-hmm then Sydney and then a little bit into Bendigo, yeah. I was also studying and working, right? So Incredible. The, Amazing. So, so like how we're able to like literally the days look like and I'm sure it would be a similar structure. You wake up, you either do your first session super early. I trained some kids after I did mm-hmm. my own session. Then I went to training from like 9 till 12-ish. Then I'd lift. Then I'd go to work. Then I'd go to night class uni. Yeah. Every single day. Yeah. And – it's it's hard because it's like you look at that and you're like, crap, like how did I do that? But also like I'm so grateful. I'm so proud of you so, too. So grateful, <laughs> so, And right? you should be proud of yourself. Right. Like and it's it's something that like now I'm like I'm so glad that I did that mm-hmm. because not only do I have like job and life experience that gives me more of a holistic view on the way that I view sport, but also it means that like on those hard days now I'm like I've, I've you know, I've done it worse yeah. or like I've done yeah. it harder. So I guess like that. That is something that I, I want people to hear, like mm. really hear. As female athletes, that's usually the majority of everyone's. Yeah. You know, and for the most part, actually, people are working more than we do as, as basketball players. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs to get better. But it also is super important that you allow yourself time and space to explore who you are outside of the sport that you play. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry, I digress. <laughs> I love a digression. Uh, yes. Um, out at. In your uni, you have two degrees now. You're, mm-hmm. you're finishing your second one, yes? Talk, yeah, I've got talk, one subject left. Talk to me about what this this second one is again. So commerce and? Masters of International Business and Economics. You're a genius. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's Fake actually until you make it in this life. <laughs> it's, 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 so, it's so cool. And, like, I, I remember actually you were – when I was thinking, when I was working in, when I, when I was playing for Sydney, yeah. it was a year after you were there. Yeah. And I was like, God, I don't know any other WNBL athletes that are working full time, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, actually, people just don't talk about it. And I asked around and then they're like, AK did it last year. She's done it every year. Like you need to ask around because a lot of people are struggling with the same things, yeah. like trying to balance this life that is professional sports and figuring yeah. out who they want to be. It is such like a balancing act because it's a positive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a negative. Um, anyway, going w- going from Australia, um, I'm jumping forward a little bit because I will probably go back to ask you about your time in the WNBL, but I want to ask about what kind of led you to make the decision to go overseas. And um, I've said this before, like basketball in Australia can kind of be like a fishbowl sometimes. Mm. Like when you're in it, every, you feel like everyone's watching all the time and blah, blah, yep. blah. And then when you're not there, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. What led you to make that leap to kind of go explore overseas options? Yeah, so my first experience was a short-term deal I played in Lyon in mm-hmm. France. And, look, the French League was tough and that was a tough first experience for myself. So obviously I did that, came back to the WNBL, played for Perth, I think it was. Mm-hmm. 
had a pretty good year in Perth, was really like I really wanted to stay in Perth actually, but I'd kind of got an offer from a, from a European team, which was just kind of like an exciting thing. You know, yeah. I just, I think I had done, um, yes, I'd just done Commonwealth Games, yep. won the gold medal with the Commonwealth Games, you know, it was the last cup before the Worlds uh, in 2018 and just the opportunity came up to just take my game a little bit further and I knew that if I was going to ever play for the Opals in a serious matter, I had to get better in that in that regard and yeah you know I'd kind of always been a four but I'd really transitioned into the three and I just needed that international experience and I think having a European passport really did help oh, me yeah, for yeah, sure. def- definitely does help I'm super grateful for that but honestly it was it's been the best years of my life and yeah. I think everyone in some capacity if they can I know it's also not for everyone because it's tough there yeah I'm not going to say it's all glitz and glamour there are some days where you're really having chats with yourself and you're really for me, I've been in some dark places in Europe. Yeah. But I've also gotten out of them and I can look on the other side and just be grateful for how how much it's really challenged me and it's tested me and it's actually made me the person that I am today. And um, you know, I, I couldn't be grateful, more grateful for playing in Europe. And I think everyone, if they have the opportunity and, you know, body and mind willing, mm-hmm. can do it. Go and spirit experience another culture. And I think for me, having European grandparents, yeah. it was also easier because yeah. I kind of knew I mean, I know how Europeans work. Yeah. You know, I guess I've been raised by them. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was my first year I went to Poland and then in that Polish year, like, we'd had a bit of a tough year. You know, Europe's a mixed bag. Yeah. I've had coaches sacked. I've had players had fights in change rooms, haven't been paid. You know, four co- – I remember when I went to Lyon, there was three coaches in a space of three months. Oh, my God. Like, the first day I got there, there was like a – like a fight and yeah. between like a player and a coach and everyone was screaming and then the coach got sacked and I was like, what just happened? This what is in is Australia. I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, and everything's in French. And I'm like, okay, this is fun. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> you can almost tune it out because you're like, I don't understand what anyone's saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. half the time, like when they're talking, you'd just be like, okay. Like sometimes Ezzy and I, obviously we played together yeah. and Chopron would be, they'd all be talking in Hungarian Ezzy and I'd be like, hi, yeah, <laughs> what's going on over there? Do you want to know? Nope, don't want to know. Don't know anything. Don't, don't need to know. Um, I, I want to ask you about, like, you said that you've had hard times while you were overseas. Mm-hmm. How did you, because you're away from your family, right? And by the sounds of it, you rely on your family, you're very close to them. Yeah. How, do you, how did you experience going through, like, tough times mentally and physically mm-hmm. overseas away from your family in a completely different environment? And what did that look like for you? Because I'm trying to normalize, like, the idea that, you know, you are a super high-performing athlete. You've been playing in Europe for forever. You've also mm. played on so many levels. You've also struggled with stuff. Yeah. Like what did that look like for you? Yeah, look, I think you you can't predict when anything's going to come on. You know, like sometimes you're good, sometimes you're not good, sometimes things are going great and you don't feel good. But for me probably the worst time was, you know, after I'd broken my leg uh, last season when I was playing in Poland, yeah, last season, yeah, or two seasons ago now, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'd come off COVID. I'd come off a really good year, actually, good, great year and a half. And then I got COVID again for the second time, broke my leg and I just couldn't mentally get myself together. Mm-hmm. And I was in a very dark place, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, there'd be days where I would just cry constantly. You know, mm-hmm. I was really, I was really anxious. I'd like lost a lot of belief in myself mm-hmm. and it was a, it was actually a really tough time. And I know I remember speaking to Jenna O'Hay at the time, just thinking like, I need some help, you yeah. know, like I need someone to help me. I'm not okay right now. And, you know, my partner, she was really beautiful. She really helped me through that. But no one can really understand unless like they've been through they've it. They've been through it. Yeah. And 
I know like there'd be times, I remember one time I called my parents just during the middle of the night, just like hysterical. And like, I'm not a hysterical person. Yeah. You know, like I'm pretty like level-headed. I've seen a lot of things in the world. Yeah. Been through a lot of injuries, you know, highs and lows. Um, but I just couldn't, I just honestly couldn't get it together for whatever reason. And yeah. um, a big thing for me has been meditating, journaling, and just really doing all the right things for yourself mentally to get yourself right. And, you know, I, I spoke to a guy through the AS, uh, Dr. Menod, he was really great and he mm-hmm. really helped me just to simplify things and kind of get myself back to just a, a calm place of peace. And yeah. I kind of spoke with the girls just recently about cold showers. I know that sounds a bit crazy. Yes, no, yeah. we were talking about yeah, this. Yeah. Saying, yeah, yeah. so even, you know, there was times where I wasn't sleeping very well, but even I, if I didn't sleep one wink during the night, I would set an alarm at 6 a.m. and have a cold shower and I would get up and I'd have that cold shower and that honestly just changed my life. And to this day, I still do a cold shower every day. Everyone thinks I'm nuts. No, it's the cold therapy. It's like the Wim Hof stuff, yeah. right? It's like teaching yourself how to breathe mm. through those moments. Like, cause like, I mean, when your body hits cold water, it's a similar mm. feeling to how you feel when you start having an anxiety attack yes. or a panic attack. It's kind of like, like it, it wakes you up and then mm. you can either choose to like not breathe through it and yeah. let that overtake you or the thing about being, uh, uh, really re- regimented with the cold showers mm-hmm. and really disciplined is like you have to force yourself to breathe through it yeah. and then it becomes like a form of like meditative 100%. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I, by the way, I looked into that after we had a talk about oh, it. That's did? the only reason I know what I'm talking oh, about. <laughs> look at you. I'm so we proud of you. We spoke about it. Yeah. And then I've, I've, I've actually started doing it. And I, I've, um, I'm so proud like, of you. When I was down at the beach at mum's place, I was like, oh, I, I want to start having cold showers. And then mum was like, well, why don't you just jump in the beach in the morning? I was yeah. like, I'm going to do that next week. Right now, no, cold showers for the one. Yeah. <laughs> next week, I'll get in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> that can be my next step. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> going back to, to like that moment where you kind of realize like, oh crap, I need help Mm. or Mm. hey, maybe it's before that and you're like, I'm not okay. Cause Mm. sometimes it can be like weeks or even months or maybe it's just a couple of days where you don't realize that you've hit that point. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I'm not okay. And I haven't been okay. Do you remember like what your thought process was to like how you get out of that space? Like was the first step for you reaching out to a friend or Mm. reaching out for help? Because I think that, you know, for people that are in that space and maybe they're in that space now, like what do you like where do you tell them to go? Like what what was your first step? Because maybe people can draw some sort of um, some confidence or some tips out of like how you handled that situation. Yeah. Look, I think, you know, there's been plenty of times over my career I've had those moments, but I, I'll go back to the first time I ever experienced anxiety, which was I think in like 2015 or something, I thought I was honestly dying. Yep. Like I remember saying to my mum, my heart's like beating out of my chest and I don't sleep. And she was like, oh, okay, yep. yeah, <laughs> we're on here. Yeah. And it was after a shoulder eco and my brother had a big surgery. And, you know, like you just can't help it. It just yeah. comes from nowhere and I'm sure you've experienced this too you know sometimes I wish I could look back and go I wish I never experienced that and I was Mm -hmm. never happened to me but that's life things happen to you I think first thing is just to know you're going to be okay and I think that is the biggest thing that like I'd love people to hear and I'm sure you're exactly the same is like you know it doesn't feel like you're going to be okay in the time but you're going to be okay you've got so many people around you that love and support you Mm -hmm. and there's so much help around to get help around for you but I think it's just you know, when I notice I'm starting to get a bit low or I'm getting a bit off, it's doing the right things, staying off social media. Mm -hmm. You know, there's times where I just delete the app and just get off it, you know, really do things that are good for my soul, read, talk to family, 
meditate, journal, all the things that I know are good for my mental state. You know, when I know when I'm sitting on social media too much and you can get caught up in things and I'm like, whoa, 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 Alice, take a step back. Mm-hmm. And I know for me a big thing is, um, you know, exercising out of basketball and everyone yeah. thinks I'm a little bit crazy that I do, you know, high-intensity activity, but that generally mentally just makes me feel really good. Yeah, no, I totally understand And that. it's something yeah. that I love doing and I know yeah. it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, if someone's experiencing that, don't be afraid to ask for help and just remind yourself that you are going to be okay and there are people that love you for who you are and want to support you and want to get you through that period because I just truly believe that everyone just deserves to be the best version of themselves and live their best life yeah. in a confident way and whatever you need to do to get that help, like people will help you. Yeah, I think that's something that maybe there's like a fear there that like if you reach out, everyone's going to be like, whoa, 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 I don't understand or mm. like, oh, nah, sorry, like I'm not going to be there for you. That's not how it is. Like, no. p- people are genuinely more there for you, for you than you would think. Yeah. I know I have that fear where like sometimes where I'm having a hard day, I'm like, oh, I don't want to tell anyone because then like they're going to think of me differently. And like that's one of the biggest steps I have to make is like, oh, now like even actually at this last Asia Cup just gone, I was having a crappy day and I actually told people. Mm. Like I was like, I, I texted you, yeah. I texted Madge, yeah. I texted yeah. um, the team doctor and I was like, hey, today I'm having a really hard yeah. day. And I think that the the stigma around like you can tell people when you're not okay 100%. because it also lets other people understand you better yeah. and it means that there's that barrier of communication then opens up and mm. it doesn't have to be a scary thing to be like, you know, how are you today? Sometimes you can answer that honestly. Like when someone's like, hey, how are you? You don't have to, you know, break down crying in front of them, but Mm. you can just be like, hey, mm, I'm not having a great day, but how are you? And that's okay to answer like that too. Like it doesn't make you a a negative person. Mm -hmm. That's totally okay. And I think, I mean, I'd like to ask your opinion on this. Have you ever felt that at times throughout your career you felt like you had to pretend that you were okay or act as if you weren't in a crappy headspace or you weren't going through things and do you remember a time where it was kind of like that oh my god absolutely I mean I come from a European background yeah. like anxiety and that stuff wasn't a thing yeah you know, my grandparents came from the war yeah. Like, yeah you know oh I'm struggling because I'm not doing well in basketball yeah. uh Alice get it together yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not a thing yeah <laughs> you know and I think for me it's really hard you know I do I'm we were raised in a hard not a hard way that's not the right thing to say but you know you're always okay you do things for your family you work hard you're fine yeah you're always fine and I've probably had the biggest walls built up ever and my partner could probably say this as well that you know it takes a while to knock down my walls and say no I'm not okay today and it's taken me a lot of a lot of years to be open about it and talk about it. And I used to just lie. I used to just say, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But deep down I was dying, you know, like I was really struggling. But I think probably the way I was raised was to show you're okay, to show you're strong. Mm -hmm. You know, I think everyone always thinks, oh, Alice is the strong one. Like sometimes I didn't feel like the strong one, like I was hanging by a thread. (laughs) Yeah, literally, yeah. But, you know, that's the the perception and I think perception is everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not, I don't, feel like I'm really proud that I can say to people, no, I wasn't okay in that time or, you know, I really needed help or I can openly talk about my struggles now. Whereas probably four or five years ago, it was like, I wouldn't say anything to anyone. I was really embarrassed to be honest. Like I just kind of think, why couldn't I just be like normal and just everyone's happy and they don't don't have anxiety. They're not stressing about something like they don't even worry about. And I'm sitting over here like, oh my God, why me? You know, but you know, it, I can't, you can't help if it happens to you and yeah. that's the reality of it. 
And, yeah. you know, it's, I guess, mental health is unfortunately like a disease or yeah. something that just comes up, comes on in your body. But yeah. it's about how you deal with it and it's about, you know, addressing it in the right way and getting, you know, like I said, the help around you. And I'm sure you probably felt exactly the same, you know, like did you feel a time where you felt like you had to be strong and say you couldn't tell anyone like, no, oh, I'm yeah. not okay. Oh, yeah. That was like me my whole junior career. Like yeah. that's why I got to the point where like I was like 17 and I completely crumbled into a million pieces. I had no idea who I was, mm-hmm. self-worth, completely crappy because like yeah. when you get to a point after like hiding it in and not telling yeah. anyone and not telling anyone and not telling anyone, you get to a point where you're like, oh, wow, like I need, yeah, what you said, I need help. I need I, help, yeah. Because and then if it's not I need help, it's like – paralyzing almost you get into a state where it's like you can't ask for help but you also can't tell anyone what's going on Mm -hmm. and you can't move and you just kind of sit there like how did how do you get there and I think that uh, I mean for me a big thing was in the way that I saw myself right like self-worth 100% and like the way that we view ourselves a lot of it is tied up into us as athletes a lot of it and you know sometimes it's a really good thing right because we we are such hard workers. We attack basketball the way we attack life. Like mm. we try so hard and we get a lot of, you know, nothing's ever good enough and that makes us better, right? Yeah. That makes yeah. us the best versions of ourselves because nothing's ever good enough. But then you get to a point where your self-worth is so tied up in your performance that if you're you're not performing well or if basketball's going crappy, then you're like, oh, I'm worth mm. nothing. Nothing, yeah. So for you, do you, like, I, I know we've had this conversation. Mm. What's your view on self-worth and basketball, self-worth and athletics and the way that we should and or you have viewed yourself in the past tied up as physical performance, I guess? Yeah, I'll go back to a, a time that, you know, obviously I was part of the Opals for a long period of time and then mm-hmm. I got cut with not really a reason that I really could understand. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, for those four years that I was out of the squad, there was a lot of self-worth chats with me. Yeah. And I couldn't work out why, you know, I was doing so well in basketball, but, you know, everyone would ask me, what did you do wrong or, like, as a person? And and honestly, I really questioned my self-worth a lot of times. And it probably wasn't recently until um, when I played in Chopron just recently, this really came to the forefront for me and I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah. My self-worth was so tied to basketball and I didn't realize it. I really honestly didn't realize it. And, you know, I, I'd play a, not a great game or, you know, I guess I was used to having really good games all the time. And then your role in a team changes where you're not the 20-point player a game. Yeah. So then I started to think, well, maybe that's my self-worth. Maybe I'm worthless. Maybe, yeah. like, maybe I don't deserve it. Maybe people are right. Maybe I shouldn't be in the Opals. Maybe I shouldn't be a basketballer. Yeah. Maybe I should just give it up. And I can't tell you the amount of chats that I had with people that I thought, you know, what, I'm just going to retire. Like yeah. maybe, maybe I've given everything to basketball and maybe I need to work on more of my self-worth outside of basketball. But I actually found a really great through the AAS and the BIS, a really great psychologist, Katie, who's yep. just been absolutely incredible. And honestly, it's helped, it's changed my life in terms of my self-worth. Like I don't view myself based on basketball games. And, you know, I think sometimes when we speak to people, oh, hey, how did you play? How many points did you score? Yeah. Why does that define us, how many points I scored? It it does not and it shouldn't. But at some point in your career, by career I mean like from five till now, that's been the way it's been defined. 100%. Maybe I played really good defense. Maybe I set really good screens. Maybe I passed the ball really well. Mm -hmm. It's not all about scoring. And I think that I want that taboo to kind of go because – I mean, for me, it really affected me. People would be like, oh, how'd you go? How many points did you score? Well, I didn't score that many, so maybe I was pretty worthless today. And then I have to say to people, but I did other things well. You know, I played defense really well. I stopped the best player in the world. You know, we played 
Sukarova and I had to guard Chelsea Gray. Yeah. I didn't score very much, but she had eight points and we won. Yeah. You know? But so you does that mean I've played a bad game? It. Yeah, I know. Like even for you to just be like, but I did other things well. It's yeah. like that should be that shouldn't even be a sentence. It's like, yeah, I played well. Mm. And like people should understand that. But I, I totally understand what you mean. And then you get all tied up in the yeah. the points and the numbers and then yeah. you view yourself as like a record on a stat sheet. Mm. It's actually wild. Yeah. Do like you, a, do you have, remember the co- first conversation you had with your sports psych about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I remember speaking to her and I was just in a pretty low place. Yeah. And I was like, I just feel worthless. Yeah. Like I just feel like I'm, I don't even know my self-worth anymore. And, you know, you can tell yourself that all the time, like, you know, you are worthless. You are yeah. worthy. You you do deserve things, but it's not until you actually believe it yeah. that things start to change. And I will say that doing that work with Katie and then, you know, now being back in the Opal squad and, um, and playing, I, it's funny, I, I finally feel worthy of it, yeah. you know, and like I can finally say like I'm at that point where I feel worthy to be deserving of these things. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, maybe as kids growing up we don't do enough work on in terms of like educating kids to be worthy of things, to deserve things, to then be able to succeed and achieve them because, you know, I remember that, you know, I was last cut in 2018 before the Worlds and, I remember being cut and thinking, oh, but I don't think I was worthy of being in anyway. Like I probably would have failed if I made the team. Mm-hmm. Like that's a horrible thought. Yeah. <laughs> like I was good enough to be on that team. And like, you know, I think that our self-worth, it doesn't just revolve around basketball. It's around just who we are as people. Yeah. And regardless of if basketball is going well or not going well, you know, we're worthy of good things in life and yep. we're worthy of love. We're worthy of happiness. We're worthy of mental peace yeah and we're worthy of all the things that we really want in our life and I think that that's not spoken about enough no amen like seriously like clicks to that because we because like teaching that to younger kids I wish that that's a part of like our like syllabus in yeah. schools in mm-hmm. like a junior program like in something because like being able to like look at yourself in, and like this is something that I had to do like a, an exercise that one of my sports mm, like mm. gave me after a game look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself some nice things oh my god my my person said yeah. tell yourself you love each other tell, tell like, yourself you love yourself yeah I used to say I love you Alice like yeah. how crazy is that but I know you would I would do that like it's wild because like that's not usually <laughs> we're taught to like and I don't know if it's like a overflow I guess it's like you're supposed to after a game go and analyze and look mm. through and just pick at things to get better but then that goes to like an extreme where you analyze you look through and then all you see is negative stuff and so that act of like you know and I you know if I ever have kids that's something I'll get my kid to do stand in front of the mirror tell yourself some good things that you did in that game and tell yourself that you love love yourself Mm -hmm. and tell yourself like some good things that you did that have nothing to do with the sport like I had a laugh with my friend like I was sitting on the bench and we had a big giggle about this thing like I had a a teammate in Chicago, Christina Nigue, who just made me laugh yeah. so much. And yes, it's a very serious thing in the WNBA, don't get me wrong, but I loved being able to like go home from those games and be like, God, I had such a great time it's with Christine game. today. Like, yeah. No lives are being lost, no lives are being saved. Yeah. We are playing a game. Yeah. Let's enjoy it. No, honestly. Literally. And I think that if you had the opportunity to talk to your younger self, and give your younger self a piece of advice about like self-love and self-worth what would you say to little little baby Alice little baby AK yeah Uh, I think just like that you are worthy of all the great things that come your way and I think that 
you know, obviously, yeah, there's going to be a lot of hard work. There's going to be a lot of setbacks. There's going to be a lot of people that put you down or, or have opinions of you, but it's the opinion you have of yourself. And I think that is so the most important. And at the end of the day, I'm the only person that lives in this body forever. You know, yeah. like I don't get to live in anyone else's body. It's it's me and me only. Yeah. And I think honestly the day that you decide to love yourself and accept all your flaws, all your differences, all the things that, yeah, you might want to improve or do better at, they're what make you who you are and that's what makes you special. I know it sounds super cliche but, you know, I think we don't realise how special we are as humans and I think we don't celebrate ourselves enough okay yeah there are the times where i need to say okay alice you need to do better at xyz 100 yeah. you know that's that's life that's learning and growing but yeah. also you need to celebrate how great you are and how amazing you are and i don't think we do that enough as people and i think you know a little bit of tall poppy syndrome in australia people give you oh a compliment God, yeah and i'm the worst person someone gives me a compliment i'm like oh no but it's just like this or like oh i like this i'm like oh it's something like it's like something basic don't worry about it like yeah. you're always putting it down like oh, you did this amazing, you know, like, oh, but no, it's it wasn't as good as this, this and this. Yeah. No, why, we need to celebrate who we are as people and, you know, athletes as well mm-hmm. and realise that, yeah, we are allowed to have good things in life. And yeah. it was actually when I worked in Sydney, I worked for this beautiful woman, Olivia, and she really taught me that, you know, you can have it all. You yeah. Can, you can strive to have everything in life. You know, if you really work hard and you want something, you'll make it happen. Do you, like... How do you go with people telling you that you need to like focus on one thing or like just focus on basketball, just focus mm-hmm. on work? Like how do you attack that question when someone's like, oh, do less? Or like don't you need to just focus on this? Like how would you – How what do you have to say to those people? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will not do less. I will not. For me it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, everyone is different. Some people may just need to be basketball, basketball, basketball. doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I need balance in my life. You know, I'm coming back home to play for Townsville and, you know, a big reason of me coming home was I absolutely loved my time in Europe, but I'm just a basketball over there. Yeah, I'm studying, but I want to have other avenues. Like I'm going to work when I'm in Townsville because I want to get experience and I want to utilise what I've learnt and I want to learn more. I want to grow as a person and play more. And I think those things kind of go hand in hand, like, I want to give back. I want to learn about different um, work environments and and see what different people do. Mm -hmm. So I think for me it's a big thing in terms of having that balance. I know balance is a huge thing for me. My family, my little nephews, my niece, they're balancing for me. They're grounding for me. I just can't be all basketball. It's just some people can do it. It's just not for me. Yeah, (laughs) fair enough, fair enough. I have um, one question about – one more question I think about the Opal stuff. Yeah. How did you feel stepping back into the Opal's jersey after – was it Mm four-year hiatus? Yeah. How did that feel for you? Like was was there any anxiety feelings? Were you like super excited? Were you like was there like resentment there? Like what talk to me about that feeling of a the call up to be back in the squad and then the call up to be in the team? Definitely no resentment. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have been more proud of the way the uniform and I don't think I realized that until I really put on the uniform and was back in the environment and being an Opal has been the dream since I was a little girl. I yeah. want to go to Olympics, you know, play for your country. That's been the absolute dream, you know, for the reasons why I said gave, Australia gave my family a home. Yeah. And it's playing for something that's bigger than yourself and bigger than you as a basketball and inspiring the next generation. Yeah. So I had no resentment. Honestly, I I dealt with that in the past and I think probably 
the work that I'd done about my self-worth and and being worthy enough for things probably really helped me. Yeah. And I just came in with so much excitement. I mean, you girls were so awesome. Like you really kind of brought me back into the group and you made me feel really comfortable. And It was a really fun group of people. Yeah, yeah. and I just felt really lucky. I'll yeah. say I felt really lucky to be called back because it's hard to play for your country. Not yeah. everyone gets to do it. And I felt, yeah, really lucky and really just grateful to be back in the fold and, you know, everyone opened like had like opened their arms for me to come in and and they helped me in any way and yeah you know the coaching staff were great and it just felt like I I really belonged there and I really enjoyed the the experience yeah and being able to do that on home soil too oh, right amazing. like being yeah. able to have your family there and then also like the coolest thing for me is like after the game getting to look up into the stands and yeah. seeing so many young girls yes so many young girls and being like oh you know like I'll say like oh do you play basketball and they're like yeah I play for such and such mm. I want to be an open one day like mm. that. Oh my God, that like, it makes my heart all warm and fuzzy. Like that is the coolest thing that we get to do this on home soil and get to see, like, I was that little girl. hundred percent. Like, you know, the last thing I did was Commonwealth Games and that was on home soil in, you know, Queensland. Yeah. But we didn't have that connection. I guess it was like, we had to go really quickly and, you know, we didn't really get to like meet a lot of the young fans, but just to see those girls and just know that if you can inspire one girl to play basketball and go after her dreams, like that's amazing. You know, you've done an incredible job. 100%. Um, A couple of more questions from me before we go into uh, some of the uh, people questions that – people questions. Questions (laughs) that people sent in over Instagram. People questions. People questions. Um, So, (laughs) like, there's this big uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Stigma around once you hit 30, you're going to retire. Everyone's like, oh, you're 30 now. You go have kids and retire. Yeah. Um, What is your viewpoint on that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like like also I mean I spoke to Kayla about this why is it that like people expect women to be done with sport way sooner yeah. and especially when there's so much success and like like uh, again like having this conversation with Kayla she's like I'm just getting started like Absolutely. literally like it's it there's so much more room like your career's not even close to being done mm. What do you say about that stigma? <laughs> Talk to me. 30 was my best year. Yeah. I really thrived at 30. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. I think it really is honestly dependent on the person. Yeah. But I think it's because of culture and society. You know, back then, I mean, I look, I'm not going to lie. I thought I'd be married with kids at 30. I yeah. thought I'd be retired, married yeah. kids. Couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. But I'm, I'm happy, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm super happy where I am in my life. And, you know, I think as basketballs we really come to our peak because it's all learning it's growing it's experience it's putting in all that training that then when you're in your you know late 20s early 30s yeah you really become sure of yourself yeah and I think that's what it is you become sure of yourself as a person as a player how you want to be perceived how hard you work yeah and I think that's when the fun you know really starts and don't get me wrong there's all my friends are married with kids and having babies and I've got my niece and nephews and I always think oh my god I want a baby so bad (laughs) (laughs) but I also love playing basketball and you know I think like I put so much so much so much so much hours into my body and working on my game like I just want to keep playing and you know I want to keep playing for as long as mentally and physically I can keep enjoying it and keep giving back to the sport so for as long as that is I'll just keep doing it and you know 
hope that you know I can have kids when when the time is right yeah I mean like why put a ceiling on it that's the thing that I hate like why put like a hey by this time you must stop and uh, whether it's like a Mm. weird uh thing in like societal view on like this is what women are supposed to do like but why put a ceiling on it yeah and I think as women like we can really forge our own path and women are incredible with what they do you know I know mums that work full-time they've got kids the way they balance and juggle things women are amazing honestly and I think if we can keep inspiring the young generation to go after your dreams no matter how crazy it seems okay I'm probably not going to be an astronaut or whatever but you know like go and and achieve your dreams go out and do what you want to do and do it with confidence yeah do it with that like what we're talking about that self-worth and that self-respect to know that yeah I can go and achieve these things and I can do what I want as well you know what's really cool is I, I remember having this conversation with Mon Conti about doing both basketball and footy right yeah. I was like people I think and I'm making a generalization here people are scared of what females are capable of I couldn't agree more. and we <laughs> like as females we're also scared of what we're capable yeah. of because we have not yet been in a society that fully allows us to grow to our full potential without any limitations yeah. financially physically um in societal views mm-hmm. norms all of that stuff mm-hmm. we are capable of so much more than we've already done and that's yeah. scary scary mm-hmm. awesome but terrifying to people that don't want to see us reach our full potential and sometimes that's the other women in our yeah. in our same playing field sometimes that's you know our male counterparts sometimes it's old joe sitting on the couch watching mm-hmm. and has nothing but mean things to say about women's in sport mm-hmm. it is terrifying that we haven't yet reached our potential with like all of the things we have achieved but with people trying to hold us back we're still knocking at the door of that ceiling it's it's pretty it's pretty cool terrifying in the best way yeah I mean you know probably societal views was women were childbearers yeah you know you you got married you stayed at home you had a child you yeah. raised the family and then our 50 years has passed and I haven't worked. Yeah. You know, and I think that's super exciting that we can honestly forge our own path and we can work and we can be more than just, you know, basketballs. We can be mums. We can be friends. We can be all these types yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's about definitely like, you know, the like closing that pay gap as well. Yeah. You know, women can do just as amazing things as men do. Yeah. So why do we get paid so differently to, okay, I know it's a lot about sponsorship and people mm-hmm. watching, but why is our gap so different in the NBL yeah. and the mm-hmm. WNBA? Mm-hmm. Like why, why we do the same thing. We train the same amount. Yeah. Why is it different? Yep. You know, and I think that as women, we need to keep showcasing how great women's sport is and how great women are in general, mm-hmm. that we can do just as much as, as men do as well, yep. you know? And we have to, the thing is, is like sometimes we have to self um, promote ourselves and be loud. We yeah. have to be like, hey, look, we are here. Yeah. Like, we're listen, in the room. watch, we're in the room. We're in the room. We are in the room. And sometimes that can be seen as like um, pushing, it's like selling yourself mm-hmm. and being intimidating and all that stuff that like mm-hmm. I am here I'm not mm-hmm. going anywhere and I'm being loud for the generation coming through yeah. and I believe that that's part of our duty as athletes like hey we can demand more and it's not selfish 100% we can demand more and it is not selfish we are not just demanding more for ourselves but we're demanding more for our sisters that play yeah and you know the young women generation. and girls that want to you know what, they won't have to work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unless they want to. Anyway, <laughs> unless they I would say, like, like to. We all come in this world and we all leave the same way. Yeah. You know, and that's about treating people with respect, treating people with honesty and the values and morals that people have. Because at the end of the day, we all come and leave the same way. So why should we be treated so differently? And I think that's a conversation that we all 
always really need to have is just promoting equality between men and women. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that us as athletes really have the opportunity to do. Absolutely. Snaps to that one again. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you some of the questions that were sent in. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this first one, who was your favorite player that you've played with? Oh my gosh. That's a really hard one, actually. That is such a hard question. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I've learned just so many things from so many different players. Wow. I'll have to say my partner, Artemis Spinou, she was the best four man and she really found me on the court. Yeah. <laughs> like she passed That was your MVP ball. season. Yeah, that was my MVP <laughs> season. So absolutely, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we love someone that makes you look better on the court. That's great. Yeah, and just I think also being a great person as well, you mm-hmm. know, like that really was just, yeah, a great season. I love that. Um, how – oh, we kind of answered that one. How excited are you to play for Townsville? Oh, I'm super excited. I'm also excited for some sun after three years in a row of Actually, winter. I forgot about that. You've been winter to winter to winter to winter. Some more winter. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, the opportunity came up to come back and play in Australia and come and play for Shannon. And, you know, I couldn't be more grateful to be to be playing for the fire and they're an incredible organisation. And, you know, I think that I also want to help continually build the WNBL. You know, I've done a lot yeah. of years in Europe and – I want to help give back to the WNBL league and keep growing that as a sport and a league in Australia to show, you know, the AFL, the NRLW, soccer, like we're here yeah, and like we are good and we are very, very, very good and our national team program is great. So, you know, I really hope that I can keep inspiring, you know, the younger generation coming in Australia and playing. That's a great answer. Um, Thank you. You and Annalie both played for Alphamas Juniors. Did you overlap? No, we didn't. But our names are both up on the wall. Yeah, actually, when you walk into Eltham High School, they're both up on the. They should rename the court to us. Yes, (laughs) the AKAM court. Yes, Ackham. The Ackham. Oh my god, that's a really good one. I know it would actually be just a giant photo of our faces. In like Surely art. a shrine or a plaque. Yeah. We have uh, to, Eltham, uh, we can get photo shoots next week. Connor, no. Connor Matthews. Um, Connor Matthews. I'll, I'll text Connor after this. Um, Connor Matthews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't overlap. But I did actually watch Alice play when she was playing. You played a couple. Did you play the Big V year or was that Coley? No, that, that was, was Coley. Coley. You played NBL 1 for Eltham. No, I lied. I did. No, you did, right? I did play the big V and then I played the NBL yeah. one year. Yeah. I, I watched some of those games. Wow. I remember when you were back from college. Yes, you had really short hair back then. It was God, very that short. Was awful. <laughs> I loved it. It, it was, was like cute. a bit of a life crisis. I like came back from the Com Games and I was like, I hate my hair, it needs to go. And it, I, goodbye. Yeah. Cut, cuts it off. I did love it at the time though, so it was fun. I remember thinking, Alice Kunick has short hair, so I want short hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, wow, it looks so good. Be like AK. Be like AK. <laughs> um, so what – and then this is the last one from here. What was your favourite moment from the Asia Cup? Oh, my God, everything. Wow, there was it was just a great experience but definitely winning the bronze medal. Yeah. You know, I wish it would have been gold but I think the team really came a long way throughout the whole experience and, yeah, you know, just from the highs and lows of playing in that tournament um, were just incredible, but absolutely winning with the girls and and playing together and the camaraderie that we had and the full support that we had of one another and from 1 to 12, just great people. Yeah. And the whole experience was just, you know, I can't speak highly enough of it. Actually, though, that was it was a very positive experience for it me was. too. I loved it. I really did. And, like, I don't know if it was something to do with, like, there was – like, I, I mean, I've loved all of my experiences mm. with the Opals, but for me that one was a super special thing. I don't, I don't know why that one felt different. Mm. It just did. The people were great yeah. and it was such a vibe and 
um yeah being able to play in front of friends and family mm. like you know for me looking up in the stands and having marina there they're like that's always oh, special so like special. it's so cool yeah. like I, I mean i love seeing her in a little melee jersey yeah <laughs> i think so like fun. the culture has really you know come a long way and yeah. like i know that's a full credit to madge and mm. kayla and those girls that yeah how much they've really done behind the scenes and yeah. i've and I, i've seen it you know from where it was probably when i played you know that 15 16 17 years yeah to where it is now and you know like props up to madge like what she's really done and yeah and what she's been through has yeah. been nothing short of incredible to what she's overcome and achieved and how far she's really pushed that program and, and put it back on the map so yeah no absolutely amazing. like she's really really like when we talk about culture wow and like a person that can drive culture like test imagine ladies and gentlemen that is her she's in the building she's the moment (laughs) that is is her she's just brilliant with that stuff um and then the last two questions Uh um tell us something that people wouldn't know about you oh well a fun fact yeah fun facts i write with my left-handed but i play with my right hand do like, you smudge when you write? Yes, it's so annoying. So does that mean when you sign things, you smudge I'm it always off? smudging. Yes, yeah. it's so annoying. Remember being a kid, me like I'd come home and I'd have to smudge everywhere. I'd be like, oh my god. <laughs> um, also, fun fact: I mean, I, I'm a pretty, I'd say, basic person, but you know, I like the simple things in life. Yeah, love to read, spend time with my family and friends. Love the finer dining experiences in life that everyone probably thinks I'm going out every night from my week here. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, just like love a sunset and a sunrise. They're just the best things in life. As you're saying that, we've got a beautiful sunset in the background happening here. You've had this golden hour coming onto your face for the last half an hour. (laughs) I've actually been seeing in your eyes like the beautiful sun on your skin and I'm like her skin looks phenomenal. It's the glow. (laughs) We love a glow. Um, And then. And I hate cockroaches. Oh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Hate, hate, hate and spiders. They made me cry. Yeah, they're kind of gross. Yeah, nothing really makes me cry, but I somehow just start crying. I'm like, why am I crying? Actually, before I I ask you this last question, I'm going to give a quick story time. Um, Shout out to Marty Maley, my older brother, who gave me an irrational fear of huntsmen's by because he used to put them on his face (gasps) and he kept them as pets. Nope. Nope. So he like would wake me up with like a spider on my face or like he'd keep them like in a little jar and then like he'd someone would be driving the car and then he'd put them on his face and then so like he's like a nine-year-old kid the person driving like my mom or like a friend's mom would turn around like look in the rearview mirror and be like (laughs) what used to bring them into school do the same thing with the teachers so yeah i get it irrational fear of spiders i'm totally there with you i'm not i'm i feel uncomfortable now yeah i'll show you some videos see if we can overlay a photo of marty with a spider on his face marty why tell me why just why why. that's that's the end of that anyway um how do you think people see you versus who you actually are oh gosh this is a big one i feel Mm -hmm. like everyone that i've met they're like you're actually a really nice person i'm like (laughs) What? What did I miss? <laughs> Do I have a resting bitch face? Do oh. I? Okay, I know on the court I want to win. I can be, you know, like really competitive, really fiery sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm like sometimes just a little bit big teddy bear. You're like, a softie. I'm a softie. I don't take life too seriously. That's obviously definitely gotten better with age. Yeah. Uh, but I think I just want to enjoy life. And I think that I've, you know, probably been in some dark times where 
it hasn't seemed too happy. Yeah. That I kind of think, you know what, life is meant to be enjoyed. And I think I'm just, yeah, I'm pretty easygoing. You probably don't think that on the court when I'm playing because I'm like, let's go, let's win. Yeah, you and I might be two of the most competitive people. 100%. <laughs> but like I can't step off the floor and I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, let's go for a drink. Let's yeah. go for a coffee together, you yeah. know, and I think that life is short. Like enjoy it, enjoy the moments. And, you know, for me life is all about memories and moments and it's mm-hmm. about creating really beautiful memories and moments with the special people that you love. And I think that's the key to life for me. Snaps. That is actually brilliant. I um, promise I'm a very nice person. <laughs> she's she is lovely. Um, to say thank you for coming on. Oh we God. have a little gift from Reebok for you. So thank you so much. That uh, we'll thanks Reebok having some threads for AK. Yeah. You'll be seeing Pumped her. by Reebok. Yeah, you'll be seeing her in Greece in some Reebok threads. Um, <laughs> Probably won't be taking the hoodie, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll take these. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, thank you for having me on. And honestly, what you're doing is incredible and spreading the word and the message. And you're a very special human, Annalie Mayles. Mayles, you, oh my God, now I've just yeah. lost my mind. Annalie Mayles, you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And um, I like these conversations to me are so important, yeah. but like I, like the way that we got to connect during this Asia Cup, I yeah. was like, I need you on the podcast. Yeah. Like that, the way that you speak about life, basketball, self worth. Like even when we started talking about the cold showers thing, I was like, yeah. she gets it. Like yeah. being able to like see things and tackle them in a holistic way, and then mm-hmm. also just being a person above all things. Yeah, I think that's you know when we talk about how people see you, that's how I see you, and mm-hmm. that's how I imagine like all of the Opal sisters would see you, and like. I think anyone that has actually taken the time to have a conversation with you would see the same thing. Like you are a person first, a Mm. basketball player second, and you are so much more than what you do on the basketball court. You give so much to everybody. You're a very empathetic, kind, loving person. And it's just, it's been a pleasure to not just have you on the podcast, but also getting to reconnect with you after being, you know, you've been overseas, I've been away. Being able to reconnect again has been really special and it's something that I, you know, I really do hold very close yeah, to my me heart. Too. Like me too. you're, you're a good egg. Okay, oh, thank you. Darling. You're great. So are you. you guys I'm are not witnessing. Gonna get a you guys are witnessing, witnessing us have a moment. But um, I love you. I okay, love you. you're amazing. Love you, um, yeah, but back. yes, thank you so much for coming on. That was Under the Surface, pumped by Reebok. It was pretty amazing. I'm so excited for you guys all to listen to it. This is Alice Koenig, and good night, everybody. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> That was Under the Surface. If this episode brought up any concerns for you, we recommend you call Lifeline on 13 11 14.